We're looking today in the book of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. If you have a copy of the scriptures, will you? would like to turn with us, please. And also, I'll call our attention to some verses in the Gospel of Luke. That'll be chapter 15, if you'd like to turn there. Luke chapter 15. John chapter 12. Our text will be there. It might be helpful if I'd mention to you that I don't have two sermons. I just want to ask you to look with me in two places. Sometimes if folk think the preacher's got... Two or three messages going at once. It's a little discouraging before we get started. So I'll keep my long sermons to a later time. I won't do that this morning. I was a pastor for 20 years and I pastored Baptist churches and I know that most of us Baptists work on a schedule. And so I'm mindful of that this morning. I was in a meeting up in Lansing, Michigan, a rather large church there and the pastor, he was gone on a trip. And he has some sons in the ministry with him. One of them's associate there. And in the Sunday school hour, I was back there in the foyer waiting to go where I was to uh, be in the class and uh, standing back there alone. And a little fella, couldn't have been over five or six years of age, a little guy like this. He walked up to me all alone out there, had his hands on his hips, looked me in the face. And he said, are you our preacher today? I said, yes, I am. He said, we don't like no long sermons in here. And just turned and walked away. <laughs> and uh, I told him most places didn't. And I thanked him for his help. I came to speak that morning and I said to the preacher that was in charge, I said, well, I have been met by one of the brethren out in the foyer. And he's informed me that you folks here in Michigan don't like long sermons. So I'll just get right into my text. And save all my preliminaries to some other time. After service, he said, Brother Hurt, you were kidding about that uh, brother meeting you out in the foyer. And I said, no, sir, not really. He said, I can't imagine. He said, you're our guest today, your first time here. And he said, that's being rude to you for a brother to meet you out there and to tell you that we don't like long sermons. He said, can you describe him to me? <laughs> well, I said, I perhaps ought to tell you he's one of the little brethren, but he's one of the brethren. And I came back home and I told our folks about that. I was a pastor then and one of our deacons, he met me after service and he said, Pastor, there's a verse over there that says, out of the mouth of babes, God will speak to you. So he's trying to get to your long sermon. It's my joy. It's a real privilege to be able to be here on this special day, on this uh, day with you. And I've looked forward to it and I appreciate the invitation and the welcome that I sent here this morning. John 12 is where we'll be reading, and then we'll make uh, reference to the Lord leading to Luke 15. John chapter 12, begin with me please in verse number 20. The Bible said there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 
He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. I call our attention this morning for the uh, time that we'll take in the preaching hour to verses 27 and 28. You'd like to just keep your Bibles open and focus with me on those two verses after we pray We'll bring the message. Our Father, you read in thy word where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We understand that to mean where the Spirit is in control, where he's Lord, where he reigns. There's liberty. There's freedom. And we welcome him this morning. We pray that he'll just bring the presence of God, make it a reality this morning. We ask you not now to give us that which is necessary for preaching. We don't understand all about our need, but we know we have need. We pray thee to fill us, anoint us, and do us, and please use us this morning. Father, we want to be a blessing. We'd, not, we'd rather not stand here if we'd have to stand alone. So I pray in Jesus' name, and by your Spirit, you now would come and help us. Amen. 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 Verses 27 and 28, our Lord is speaking. He says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I to this hour, he says. And then he said, Father, glorify thy name. I was thinking this morning, I had a preacher to call uh, the room where I'm at this morning, and we were talking there for just briefly before I came over, and he made reference to a, a message that God had used in his life to change his life. I gave some thought to what he had to say this morning, and I suspect that most of us that serve the Lord for any length of time could look back and say there's been particular messages that God has shared with us, messages perhaps we've heard others preach, or messages as reading the word that he's brought to our needy hearts that have been times that just outstanding times in our lives. About three years ago, it will be in a few weeks, I pulled out of the drive early one Monday morning, my ministry has been basically a ministry of revival. Our midweek was on Thursday when I pastored, and I traveled three days a week, speaking Bible conferences, have for over 20 years. I was driving to your state over in Memphis on that Monday. I was to speak on Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and Wednesday night in a Bible conference. And I recall saying to my wife after packing the suitcase, loading the car, and 
I said to her that morning, I said, I sort of feel that the Lord is going to give clear direction this week. I needed not explain my statement to her. She knew what I was talking about. She knew the dilemma that we were facing, at least I was. She knew the situation that we found ourselves in. She knew the decision that I was going to have to make. I believe I'm safe in saying in 26 years trying to serve the Lord, it was one of the most crucial decisions I ever was called upon to make that affected my life, my ministry, our home, our family, the church. And I just simply said to her, I said, I feel while I've been alone with him this morning that either through one of the speakers or in some way when I come back here Thursday, I'll have the direction that he wants us to take. I drove to Memphis, Tennessee, about 10 hours from where I live. Drove through some sleet and rain, especially out of Indiana, down across Illinois. And uh, I got to the motel, called the preacher and told him I was in town. I asked him what the schedule, when I would be speaking. And I said to him, would it interfere with the program if, if I can just be left alone in my room? I'll show up at the service times, but other than that, I would just like to be alone. I, I'd prefer not to go for meals, and, and I, he understood. I said, I just need to be alone. And he said, Preacher, there'll be no service on Tuesday morning. You just spend the day. Wednesday morning we'll meet, and I expect you to speak on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then Wednesday morning. I was reading the Word of God on that Tuesday morning. I'm leading up to what I'm preach on here. I'd said to the maid when she called at the door, I said, I don't need any room service. I just need some clean linen. I put a sign on the door, please do not disturb. And I felt, though I've never ever heard from God audibly, I do not claim that God speaks to me like I'd hear you, but God had said to my heart in my quiet time that morning with Him, if you'll just spend the day with me in the Word, I'll speak to your heart. I'll give you what you need. And I just opened the Word of God, and I don't know how long, but hour upon hour, I just read aloud as He'd speak, I'd try to worship Him back. And I came to John 12. I had said to Him earlier that morning, Lord, I don't even know what to say about the situation. Therefore, I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to talk to you about it. I, I don't even have words to talk about it. And the very word I use, Lord, I don't know what to say. And I just said, I commit it to you. I was reading and here's what came off the page to my heart. Verse 27. Our Lord is standing in the shadow of the cross, darkest hour of his life. He says in verse 27, Now is my soul troubled. Just been talking about his own death. Picturing a corn of wheat fall in the ground and dying. And picturing him going on the cross for us poor sinners. And having just made reference to his own death, he stops rather abruptly there and says, Now, at the present, what he's talking about, he said, My soul is troubled. Now look at the other expression. And what? Shall I say? I came back home and preached on the subject, what to say 
when you don't know what to say. What to say when you don't know what to say. Now, what he said here is so appropriate. What he said here is so fitting. What he said here, I care not whatever situation as a child of God that you'll ever find yourself in. This, what he said, this statement is always fitting. It's always appropriate. It's always right. Now notice carefully, he comes right quick and says, after he says, and what shall I say? Question mark. And he says, Father, save me from this hour. The implication is, he's really saying, do you expect me to say, Father? The word for save there is deliver me. Father, let me escape it. Father, deliver me from the hour that he's referring to. Then he says quickly, but for this cause came out of this hour. He's saying to us, oh no, I'm not going to pray to the Father to let me bypass it and escape it and be saved from it. Well, he said prior to this, mine hour has not yet come, but now the hour has arrived. And he's not going to say, Father, let me get around it. Let me run from it. Let me bypass it. Oh, no. He said, that's the very reason I'm on this earth. For this cause came to this hour. Now, listen very carefully. What do you say? When you don't know what to say. And I don't think we're so far removed. If you listen to me for a moment, let me, in, let me just illustrate it to get into it. I don't think we're so far removed from the truth of this statement. I, I think if you'd think with me, you'd agree with me that we hear words like this even in our day quite often. I was sitting with a young pastor and his wife at their table not long ago and preached three nights for him in their church. And, and he said to me, Brother Hurt, could you slip over to the parsonage a moment? And he calls me his pastor, though he's never been a member of a church that I, I served in, but he, he introduces me as his preacher. And he sat there and he said, we've got a heavy heart. He said, I want my, I want my wife just to share her burden first. She attempted to, but she couldn't. Her voice choked with emotion. Her eyes were filled with tears. And she looked up at me and she said, Brother Hurt, I just don't know what to say. I didn't need an interpreter. I knew what that dear young pastor's wife was saying. Enough pressure in that church. About to have a split in there. All that pressure on that young pastor and his wife. Enough to kill a dozen pastors and wives. And she sat there and they said, we didn't want to burden you while you was preaching. But she was saying to me, attempted to, oh, preacher, it's, it's pressure. It's heavy. And she couldn't even say it. She just said, I don't know what to say. I was younger at the Methodist Hospital, one of the larger hospitals in Indianapolis, about a dozen of them, that big old city. I was there sitting outside of the intensive care waiting room, and or surgical room rather, with a family. And I heard them say earlier that morning to the, a team of surgeons, they said, we want you to be honest with us. We want you to be right up front. That doctor was so upfront, he was so frank, he was so blunt. When he came and called for them, and, and, and we went in a little room, they asked me to come in with them. He just simply said to him, your baby barely lives. He spoke with an accent. He said he just barely did like that. He just barely lives. Said he can't make it. Your baby's going to die. You're a half old little baby. He walked out the door and met a, a, a team, a, a team, a, a doctor on the team, came back in the little room and just simply said to the, the couple and the preacher who, who was, I was there with them. He just simply said, your baby's dead. Close the door. 
Any time for words in that little room? Utter silence. That young dad and mother both just bowed their head. I slipped my arm up on his shoulder. The first words that came from his lips were these. He looked me in the face and he said, Pastor, I don't know what to say. What do you say when you don't know what to say? If you're not careful, you see, we're never more vulnerable. We're never more open to danger. We're never more exposed in a time like the pressure's upon us. And if we're not careful, we're likely to say the wrong thing instead of saying the appropriate thing and the fitting thing. I was preaching in Atlanta area not long ago on this text and a dear man came forward and he said, Brother Hurt, if I could have heard that message a few months ago, I believe it would have saved me from, from shipwreck in my ministry. He said, my family's suffering. He said, I didn't say the right thing. I said, I said the wrong thing. What do you say when you don't know what to say? Let me make a, just simple three simple suggestions this morning from this statement. Look at verse 28. Our Lord did not say, Father, save me from this hour. That's not what He said. But verse 28, He gives us a very appropriate, very fitting statement. When you face a dark hour, when you face pressure, misunderstanding, when you're at, uh, facing a dilemma... Our Lord said to his father, he said, Father, glorify thy name. Can you say that this morning, whether you live or die? Whether you sink or swim? Whether you're rejected or received? That's not even the issue, what happens to us. The real issue to the child of God is, is this going to glorify God? And Jesus standing there, right in the face of the cross, as it were, and He said, right from His heart, as He looked up and having just said, now is my soul trouble. The word trouble, there's some, there's some anguish in here. There's some turmoil in here. But He said, Father, glorify Thy name. Let me make three simple suggestions from this statement, and you've got the message this morning. The first suggestion that I make this morning, I see in this statement a word of security. You may say to me, Brother Hurt, where do you see that? Look at the first word. Father. Something wonderfully assuring about the word Father. If you this morning, in fact, in reality, if you can look up toward heaven and you can call God your Father... Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, I say to you this morning, regardless of what you're facing, that will produce a sense of well-being and assurance and poise and confidence if you can just say, Father. My father's been in heaven since 1975. I had the privilege of preaching the night my dad got saved. My dad, I never ever saw him in church till, till that revival meeting. We weren't church going people. I, I don't brag about this, but I had never went to Sunday school in my life. I was 25 year old when God saved me 26 years ago. And, but never, never been to Sunday school. We never ever saw my dad in church. My mother didn't go to church. God's been good to me. My mother still lives. I baptized my mother. Dad got saved while I was preaching. My dad's been in heaven since 1975. They moved to Indianapolis from up around Bowling Green, Kentucky, where he was raised. They moved to Indianapolis. I was his preacher the last five or six years of his life. He loved Jesus. He is a, he is a prayer warrior. He, he studied the Word of God. He's in, he's in glory this morning. But I've said that to say this. When my father lived 
my country father, a farmer, a very poor farmer, reared a, raised a, a large family. And my dad was a sharecropper on a farm up in central Kentucky. But while my dad lived, I never ever one time ever came to his door and knocked on his door with a question mark whether or not he'd receive me. I had relationship with him. He's my father. I loved him and he loved me. And when I knocked on his door, I did it with a sense of and assurance. I'm knocking on the door of somebody that I belong to that cares for me. And I suggest to you this morning, if you can look up toward glory and you can say, Father, and if you understand the implication of, of what's, what's in that statement, I say to you, you may be in the midst of a storm and broken heart and turmoil this morning, but that'll produce peace and assurance and well-being in your soul. What to say when you don't know what to say? Just say, Father. My oldest boy is in business and his business causes him to travel around different parts of the country. And he called home from Houston, Texas a few few weeks now, been a few months ago. And they they have but one child, little Alicia, she's three and a half now. And she she my my wife cares for her in a day while uh, while Debbie works. And so our boy called from Houston, called to check on 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 the little one and just uh, report back home and said, I'm leaving Houston and I'll be in, I'll spend the night on the road, be in tomorrow. His work, I repeat, causes him to travel different parts of the country. And he said to his mom, my wife said, where's, where's, where's dad at? And she said, he's in Memphis, Tennessee, preaching this week. And uh, he said, Memphis, he said, uh, do you have his motel? Do you, can you tell me where he's at? He said, I normally drive to Little Rock, but he said, I think I'll just surprise dad and drive on over to Memphis just a couple hours or so further. And said, I'll get in there about, mid, about midnight and I, I'll get me a room in the motel room and I'll call his room. My wife said, I got a better idea. I said, I've been with him there. That's a nice motel, two big beds in the room. And said, uh, you can just uh, sleep in one of his beds. Well, he said, that's a good idea. I saved my $40. Amen. And so he, he came in this type of motel. You can't just walk in off of the street. You can only get in those hallways if you're a guest in there with your key. And so he, he convinced him who he was, showed him some ID. He said, my dad's back here in a certain room, knew my name, knew the room and all that. He said, I'd like to surprise him. I'd like to go back and just, uh, you know, without you calling his room. And they said, all right. And one o'clock in the morning, uh, someone knocking on my door. Not a little timid knock. I mean, with confidence and freedom and boldness, somebody's knocking on my door. And I, I mean, so he knocked so loudly, I jump out of the bed there. I think, good night. Who's at the door at one o'clock in the morning? And I went over, and if you stay in the motel, you know, you got a little hole here you can peep through. And I said, who is it? And I heard a familiar voice. Dad, open that door and let me in. <laughs> You know why he could knock with such confidence? You know why he knocked with such freedom? You know why he knocked with such assurance? There's somebody behind that door that loves him and he knows will welcome him. And I've been gone most of his life and I enjoy fellowship with him. And he knew that. And so he knocked with freedom and assurance. He could say, Father. He could say, Dad. And it gave him a sense of well-being and security and assurance. Why? Somebody in there cared for him. He heard me tell that in a meeting. He said, Dad, I got a little something you can add to that story. I said, what is it, son? He said, you tell him not only did I knock with confidence and you let me in there quickly, 
But you tell them after I got in there, everything you had in there, I had access to it. He said, he said you had a fruit basket. And you can tell them I ate up some of that fruit. And I said, I'm going to tell them on the way out, you picked up a $20 bill too. And boys will do that. Oh, listen, do you have a father? You may this morning be facing a situation you don't know what to say. But I'll tell you something that's appropriate. It's very right. It's fitting. It's always right. Is to just simply say, Father, glorify Thy name. Whether you live or die, you say, Father, glorify Your name. That'll set you free this morning. That'll lift us above anxiety and worry and biting our fingernails if we just know there's a God that's sovereign and He's our Father. Everything under control. Oh, the first word is a word of security. But the second word is a word of submission. See, that's, the, that's where, the, as Dr. McGee used to say, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's what a lot of us don't like to do. A lot of us likes to, you know, we want to we wanna captain our own little ship. We want to we wanna plan our own course. We want to call our own shots. And if something don't, happens to us that we don't necessarily like, we resent it. We get upset about it. And then we lose fellowship with God. Jesus didn't say, save me from this hour. He didn't say, I don't think this. Oh, he, he said, Father, He said, glorify Your name. And what He was saying, I submit, I yield, I give in. I'm not rebelling. I'm not resenting. I'm not running. I just give in. Are you listening to me? I'm no smart but I didn't start yesterday. I've passed a church where there's a thousand people so would meet there on Sunday. Are you listening? I've watched the people through the years. People that would have the peace that passeth understanding, joy that's unspeakable, and have the influence of God about their life, that when they touch others, they'd touch them for God and for good. And you know what I'd always find? They'd be a people that just make Him Lord of their life. Don't try to understand. Don't try to figure out. Just realize He's a good God. He's our Father. And if you're in His will, nothing can come into your life. Absolutely nothing. Unless He permits it. And if He permits it, it will glorify Him whether you understand it or not. In order for you to get in, I to get in on that peace and that joy and His blessing, there has to be an attitude of yieldingness and submission. No resentment, no rebellion, no getting bitter. Just say, Father, glorify Your name. And then there's a third word, and I close. Number one, I said in this statement, Father, I see a word of security in the fact that He's not resenting or rebelling or running from what's, what's appointed Him. I see a word of submission. He gives in. But then for the lack of a better word, I put this word down. Verse the, for, the, for the last word, I call it a word of significance. And, and I mean by that, if you talk about something being significant, you're talking about something that has meaning, has purpose, something of importance. Now what did he really say? Look again at our statement this morning. I introduced the message by, talk, by saying in this statement, that it's, a, it's a fitting, appropriate, right word always. He said, Father... Glorify thy name. What's it mean to glorify God? Think with me in these next two or three minutes in closing. Suppose you go away and someone said, What did that preacher of Minneapolis talk about this morning? And you'd say, Well, 
I guess the bottom line, the essence of his message was, we're to glorify God. You Bible students are aware of the shorter catechism says the chief duty of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I say amen to that. I think it's scriptural. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. When you make Him Lord, He lets you enjoy serving Him. Not drudgery, it's joy. But what does it mean? To glorify God. Think with me. Think. I mean, listen on purpose for a couple minutes, would you? Every person just listen for a moment. What does it mean to glorify God? Now, we sing about it, preach about it. We testify about it. We write about it. We read about it. But what does it mean in a layman's terminology? I mean, those of us that's not scholars or theologians and where we can get a hold of it, where we can understand. What does it mean to glorify God? Think with me a moment. Suppose I set out this morning, this beautiful Lord's Day morning here at the noon hour, and, and I set out to glorify somebody in this room. I need you to listen to me a moment. Think with me. In essence, what would I be doing? Let's just suppose that I set out to glorify your dear preacher. And I, I appreciate it. My preacher talked to me this morning on the phone. He was in that service that Brother Ken referred to where we spoke together in. Ken brought a tremendous message. God's power in a, in a, in a wonderful way. His hand was on him. My pastor, he whispered to me while Ken was preaching. He said, if the Lord lets me and if He'll come, I'm bringing Him to our church. And I, I said, Amen. And he sent word this morning, preacher, that he still wants you to come and preach for us at our church there. But suppose I set out this morning to, to glorify your preacher on this homecoming Lord's Day before this audience. Now listen carefully. In essence, what would I be doing? Let me just put it where we live in everyday terminology. If you're glorifying someone before another, you know what in essence you're doing? You're making that person look good to somebody else. You say, is that what it means to glorify God? Listen to Jesus. He said, let your light so shine before men out there in the world that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light, your lifestyle, your conduct, your behavior. He said, live in such a way that when the world looks at you, they say, glory to God. And you say this morning, Lord, regardless what happens to me, if you'll just make yourself look good, that'll be all right with me. Whether I live or die, sink or swim, whether I'm received or rejected, I repeat, that's not even the issue. Would you be willing to say as he did, right in the face of, the, of Calvary's dark hour, he didn't say, Father, save me, let me avoid it, escape it. Oh, no. He said, Father, glorify thy name. Amen. And a voice came out of heaven and said, I have and I will. May I say to you, He has glorified the lovely Son of God. I close with this. I won't go into any detail. Some of you may pick up on who I'm talking about. He's a physician. He calls himself a layman for the Lord. He's an older man now. He gives his testimony. I don't know that he does now very often, but Especially among his own colleagues, he was greatly, wonderfully used some years ago. 
In his testimony, he tells how he was brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Without me going a lot of detail, he was a resident physician. He's a baby doctor. A resident physician, a surgeon there at a, at a famous hospital in this country. A children's hospital, really, basically. And uh, he, he, he gives a contrast in illustration. So I won't go into any detail. Just simply say this. And you've been a wonderful audience. You're listening very attentively now, and I appreciate it. Listen very carefully. He said, I had surgery, and he describes and goes a lot of detail, a baby about a year and a half of age, and said, I lost the baby. Lost it right up front in the surgery. And he said, for a doctor, that's devastating. He said, that thing just was a heavy burden on me to have to go tell that family. And he said, I wasn't prepared for what I encountered. He said, I'd been told there's a very religious family. Got back there and looked like a whole church. He said, three or four o'clock in the morning, baby brought in the emergency. He said, looked like a whole church back there. And he said, I tried to be as kind and as tender and as thoughtful as I knew how, but he said, I wasn't ready for their unkindness, their rudeness. He said, they even screamed at me. And so such rejection. And he said, one of them, one of the grandparents said, if this hospital had a more capable doctor, our baby wouldn't have died. He said, I tried to say, you don't understand. Oh, they just said, get out of her face. And here's what he said. He said, that's church people. That's God's people. That's religious people. Thoughts started getting in my mind. And he said, already kind of a skeptical doctor. And he said the meanness and the hardness of a group of religious people, church people, in their unkindness. Oh, he said, I can't tell you what that began to do to my skeptical mind. I began to reason. Is that what God's like? Is that a representation of God? He said, I got hardened. He said sometime later, he didn't go in detail, but sometime later I had surgery on another baby. Early morning hour again, little boy again, between one and two years of age again. And again, said the little fellow died. Said, I walked that long hallway back there and he described it. And he said, I couldn't forget what I'd encountered once before in a similar situation. He said, also, I'd been told these people. Word had gotten to me that the family said, we'll be praying, doctor. He said, and I got back there, there were just a little handful of people. There was a young father and mother that I learned later was a young Baptist preacher. He's associate pastor, youth pastor in a large church in that city. Operating on their only child. It was an emergency, so they hadn't, you know, expected it. It came suddenly. Little fellow died in surgery. He said, I got back there and I asked him if who'd want to come into a little conference room. And he said, this young dad, mother got up and came in, sat down. And he said, I tried to be again as tactless as I knew how. And I said, I, I did my best. I promise you I did. But said, you little one didn't make it. He said, I wasn't hardly ready for what I encountered this time. He said, when I turned and looked in the face of that young preacher, that broken-hearted young father, he said, I don't think I've ever looked in a face that displayed such understanding in my life. He said, he said to me, doctor, would it offend you if I have a word of prayer before we say anything else? He said, I'd already made up my mind nobody would talk to me about God anymore. But he said, this kind of disarmed me. And I said, that's all right if you want to pray. He said, I bowed my head and he put his hand on my shoulder. And said, the first word that came from that broken hearted father was, Lord, 
Would you help this good doctor to know we appreciate him? We appreciate him getting out of his sleep and coming over here and giving himself for our little one. And would you help him to know that we're grateful? And then he said he just opened his heart to his father. No resentment, no bitterness. Just opened his heart to God and said to him, Lord, we're hurting, but we know you don't make mistakes and we're glad you're our father. And here's what the doctor says in his testimony. Are you listening? He said, when the young preacher quit praying, my heart was breaking. He said, I looked him right in the face and I said to him, can you tell me how I can know God like you know him? And he led that doctor to Jesus Christ in that room. And you know what that surgeon said later? These are his words. He said he made him look so good to me, I couldn't turn him down. <laughs> Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. All over the room this morning. A little unusual message for me to bring on Sunday morning, but I don't question God. He laid on my heart when I got up this morning and tried to spend my time with Him for this service. He said, I want you to bring this message from this text for this hour. What to say when you don't know what to say? Would you just think about that statement, Father? Glorify your name. Would you take your family this morning that you've been burdened about? Take that health situation you've been burdened about. Take that job situation perhaps you've been a little disturbed about. Could you just quietly in your heart before him right now, and could you just say to him, Father, I don't know how this will work out and how this will turn out, but I ask you to be Lord in it. And I commit it all to you. First committed myself. No rebellion, no resentment, no running. Just give up to you, Lord. Amen. Be Lord of my life. And then take over my situation. I say to you this morning from my heart to yours. Oh, it's wonderful what he begins to do. When you just let him be Lord. Don't try to run your own life. Just say, Lord, take over. Amen. God's talking to a whole lot of us this morning. And I've gone a little longer than I intended to. You be patient with me a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Something about coming forward. Something about just sort of saying, Lord, while you're talking, I'm coming. Don't miss him this morning. You could say, I'm going to do it later. But if you do, he may not speak to you. All over this room, there's people coming already. You know, just get up and come. There's plenty of room down here. Just say, Father, we're so glad you're our Father. Praise God. We're going to bring our situation, our family, our needs, everything to you. Hope you will. I just trust you will this morning. Don't miss God. Church, don't miss him this morning. Our Father, take over, please, in these closing moments. You know every person you're speaking to. I pray you'll just help us to cast aside pride and, and that, that arrogant feeling of what will others think about us. And I pray you'll give us courage to slip out of our seat and come do business with God. Father, if there's somebody saved, save them. Somebody away from God, bring them home. Meet needs in this room this morning. Amen. Stand with us, please, all over the building. Praise God. Folks are coming. Amen.
While we have our music, my part's about over. The preacher's coming. God move. You come. God Don't granted. miss God this morning. Praise God. Glory. You may be a visitor, but you're welcome. <laughs> Don't miss what Amen. he's got for you. God's talking to a whole lot of us. He's Praise here in God. power this morning. He sure is. Praise While God. While we wait, come on, just slip out. Meet us.